Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late. The train's asleep. Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. Katie Lazarus, the talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus, and I'm so excited to bring you this episode. First of all, I'm just so excited to be doing the podcast, and we have all these incredible episodes coming out. If you have not listened to the podcast before, know that you get two really extra special, I would say, perks. One is that you get the recordings from the live tapings, which we've done at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, the Bell House, and Joe's Pub. At the Public Theater, episodes have been recorded live in New York and Los Angeles, and stay tuned because perhaps in the future they will be coming to more and more cities. But you also get the one-on-one interviews as well, and it's all for free. I hope you enjoy them. If you do, you can leave a wonderful review on iTunes. If you don't, you can just be like, okay, I can turn it off because there are a zillion other podcasts. But the reason to listen to this particular episode, and I would say listen to all of them, is because it is such a nice opportunity to hear from people you admire, people you've never heard of, but actually turn out you do admire, and get a glimpse into their careers. And that's why I'm really happy to have Keegan-Michael Key on the show. He may be best known for his comedy work, but he is an actor first and foremost, and he's currently in Hamlet at the Public Theater with Oscar Isaac. I am getting overheated as I say his name. Um, Anatel Youssef and an all-star cast. Anatel was on uh, Boardwalk Empire and so many more stars, but the problem is, is that it is sold out, so I don't want to talk too much about it, but it is a wonderful segue, and I'm hoping that this will lead to him doing even more serious roles. That's not to say that he hasn't. He was in Don't Think Twice, and um, of course, where... He may be best known as playing um, president, former president, Barack Obama's anger translator, Luther. And actually, um, Keen Peel did a great sketch on The Daily Show after the election, just as a way to say, we are all here. We are going to make it. We are going to have to work hard at this. And really just to show the frustration and anger <laughs> that was so necessary. So in that way, he was a voice for all of us. Okay, I will stop talking about how wonderful Keegan-Michael Key is, but he really is that wonderful And uh, you'll get to hear. You'll get to hear it from his mouth and decide for yourself. You don't have to listen to someone fawning. You can decide. And there's a special treat at the end. So enjoy my interview with the one and only Keegan-Michael Key. It was recorded live at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater. You had such an unusual childhood, particularly that um, a, a therapist was the one who recommended you do theater. Here's, I, this is all I could oh, find. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's high school, yeah. You have a Jufro. Yes, uh, yeah, I do, I do have a bit of a Jufro. It's not, it's not thick. There's not a lot of volume, folks. It's, it's just, it's just it's blow-drying. It was just mousse. Very thin, fine hair. It just, it's, really cute. It's a great, grand illusion. Don't make it look like I had a lot of hair. Um, but I wanted to start younger and really ask, you know, just... I was so intrigued to hear that a, a family therapist was the one who recommended yeah, that you do Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my parents were divorcing, and we were going to a family therapist, and I, whenever the therapist would say, and then, Keegan, how do you feel about this situation? Whatever the situation of the week happened to be. And then I would just act out the situation. You know what I mean? I was like, well, my dad was, I mean, he was, like, making flapjacks, and then my mom was like, and then, you know, and then, and then, and then it would get too real for me, and I would just, I would just go, and then in this cool new movie, uh, Emperor Strikes Back, to these thing called ad and they're like, and I went, and then, 
the therapist's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're gonna need to get him into an arts program <laughs> so that he can... <laughs> and yeah. the therapist actually happened to be one of my high school drama teacher's best friends. Wow. And I happened to be going to that high school. So he told her, keep an eye on this kid and try to get him involved. And she strong-armed me. <laughs> I was walking past the choir room, and she just took, she took it to heart. And so I did, I did the musicals and shows in high school, and then like the other, like the other, you get bit by the bug early, and you're just, yeah. just like, and it doesn't include mathematics? <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. It seems like it was such a, a sal salvation because um, I'd heard that you didn't, which I had a miserable childhood, so, but I'd heard that you weren't as happy not the kid. happiest kid that ever yeah. lived. Yeah. Not the happiest kid. Yeah, it, 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 I, I lived in, uh, I, I grew up in Detroit and I went to um, school in a, um, a relatively rough neighborhood uh, called Detroit. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and uh, in our community, sometimes people are not only used, not used to doing it, but are not encouraged to share their feelings. And when you come from a family where both of your parents are therapists, it's like you want to share your feelings and your emotions. And other people are like, I don't know what this motherfucker's doing. You know, they, other kids were just, were not, we were not communicating, <laughs> me and the other kids. So it was tough. I but this was the right line, right line of work, you know, obviously in the long run. I can't imagine like having those tools at such a young age. Like I feel like they gave you really great tools to deal with, um, I, I, you can tell you, me that that's not true. You, you would think so. <laughs> um, yeah. Sometimes I think what happens though, and, and I think therapists do very good work, but I think sometimes you get caught up in what I like to call analysis paralysis. Yeah. So you actually talk about your feelings a lot, but you don't fucking change. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, yeah. you're like, I must be changing, I'm talking about my feelings. Right. But you don't actually change. <laughs> you don't grow substantively or change. <laughs> so I figured that took me 35 years to figure out. So. Yeah. Well, and maybe yeah. that just like kind of speaks to growth in general, that, that as we get older, we get more comfortable in our skin. Well, yeah. Hopefully, I, 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 yeah, or hopefully you realize that you realize that everything that happens that's here and not here isn't a complete and utter disaster. Yeah. But this is not a complete and utter disaster. Like, oh, everything's fantastic. You, you know, yeah. I think as you get older, it's, it, it, life can still be exciting and fulfilling. It just flattens out a little bit because you've had more experiences. So you're not just freaking out every time something bad happens. You know, and it's yeah. like, oh, the energy bill went up 50 What? You know what I mean? Right. Reli right. Bro. Right. That's um, what we say in Detroit. Bro. Yeah. So, they don't say it anywhere else in America. I always felt it was odd that I was baptized because I'm 100% Jewish, but I was curious with, with you, you, you were, grew up Catholic? Yes, very Catholic. 16 years of Catholic school. Great school, high school, and college. Catholic school, yes. <laughs> Here to tell the tale. So, but I, uh, uh, yeah, my parents were, my, my father converted our entire, uh, his entire family. My grandparents, my aunts and uncles, everybody to Catholicism. And my grandmother, uh, my grandmother had the very amazing distinction of being the president of the Black Catholics of Utah. <laughs> Large, thriving organization. <laughs> she was president of. Very proud of her. Went to the Black Catholic Caucus. The only member representing her state, but it was, uh, everything was great. It was, she was great. Yeah, so we, we were raised Catholic. Yeah, it was a big thing. So I, I love that you have a real spiritual life and that you are religious just because I don't know a lot of comedians who, who are. Is that still true or no? I, the other thing is, this is going to sound snotty. I'm not a, 
I'm not a. I, I would not, not really call faithful. myself a comedian. Yeah. I would call myself a, an, a, actor. A, an actor that sometimes does funny stuff. So that there is a different sensibility to a person yeah. who is a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And um, which, which is funny because Jordan and I still hear that all the time. Man, well, y'all do them stand-ups. <laughs> That's my shit. When y'all do them stand-ups, I'm like, we've, I've never done stand-up. Yeah. So never done it. But yeah, you're sitting right now. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. I've done a lot of I've done a lot of sit down comedy, but not yeah. a not yeah. a ton of stand up. Even reclining comedy, which is well for one person. But it, it, the <laughs> and the other thing is I, I and also I'm just blowing all your words out of the water. And also I would consider myself a spiritual person less than a than a religious yeah. person. That 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 Catholic doctrine is not as much a part of my life anymore. Um, so it's more about just. It's about figuring out, just staying in touch with something beyond you that makes you look at life in a larger way. So that, that the, you know, there's precepts that are shared, you know, amongst all religions. And, but, 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 but at any rate, to your point, it's, um, I think it, 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 those things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah. And, and very often I think people think of comedy as something very often that's uh, that's abusive. <laughs> like I, I, they don't know. Like I think everybody thinks comedy is what Don Rickles did. Right. But only Don Rickles could do that. No, I you, wasn't. I wasn't going along that line. I was just thinking logistically. Partly, it's like it becomes this. It's not that it's a cult, but like you become so involved. Oh, in I that see. World. Yes, I see what you're and talking then, about. Yeah. You know, I was talking about the spiritual aspect yeah. because I. I hold that dearly, and I really loved that you had because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think you practice Catholicism anymore. I read no, that no, you're no, in no, a different no. church now, yes. but but it was more that 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 aspect that you're able to somehow preserve that and still be doing all the different things that you were doing. But yes, there are two different discussions. One is just a scheduling issue, and the other <laughs> <laughs> is like when talking, of, you know, in about. Um, political issues and and um, being ironic without being cynical. Yes, yeah, but yeah, which is which is like that. It is. It's always a balancing act, especially if you're doing satire. It's a balancing act to not fall off the cynical side. I think that that's where the wind, the wind blows in that direction more often than not. You know, because yeah. you're trying to stay hopeful and you're trying to stay kind. Jordan and I have always we always had a big thing in our making our comedy, which was make sure that we're always punching up and not trying to make fun of the victims. Yeah. There's a victim in a sketch. Don't make fun of the victim. Make fun of the powers that be. How did the victim find themselves in this situation because of the society they live in? And how are they trying to fight out of the situation? So that you're, you're, the victim is representing you, the audience member, as opposed to the other way, as opposed to going, that guy's poor. Yeah. You know, they're going, ugh, yuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, in college, I was um, just so intrigued that you were in a fraternity. Um, yeah, isn't that funny? And did you join it because of Ed McMahon or JFK? Jeez, you, man, th this young lady with the research is, um, I, I watched both Bradley and Edie both go, oh, 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 God, how did you, They're yes, like, I was in a fraternity in college, I was in Phi Kappa Theta, and, um, uh, and two of our illustrious brothers were John Fitzgerald Kennedy and Ed McMahon, were, um, yes, so Ed McMahon, the answer is Ed McMahon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, so you're in a fraternity and doing theater at the, the yeah. same time? Never at the fraternity meetings. <laughs> no, okay. I don't know why I said to my mom, I want to have a collegiate experience. I'm going to join the Greek system. It was in the University of Detroit, which, you know, there are like six, six Greek, you know, six Greek fraternities as, as opposed to Latin fraternities. I'm sorry. <laughs> there, 
six fraternities. And, um, and I was never there. Anytime we had our meetings, I was there this like, uh, brother Keith, no, he's not here. I, I, was, I was never there because I was always at tech. You know, he'd be yeah. at the theater hanging lights and, and, and building sets and doing the, and, and I was there all the time, all the time. Slept there all the time. Had a cot like in the third or fourth row of our theater. And we'd just sleep there through tech weeks. It was the best. Oh, I loved oh, that it. That sounds fun. Loved it. But my, my mother was terrified. She didn't know where I was. But, um, but, but then I told her, I'm just at the theater. And then she always knew, if he's not here at home, he's at the theater. Yeah. Um, and I have a little clip from a trailer um, from the first film you did. Uh, Ham, Ham... Get the hell out of Hamtown? Yeah. You have a clip from it's the trailer? It's like a little bit from the trailer, what but I just wanted to, to show it because... What this you are a serious theater actor, and instead you stayed home and, and um, did a local film. A little. So this is just a clip from the trailer. Ham Tramick. The racial crossroads of Detroit. Ladies and gentlemen, we have here one letter of acceptance. Columbia wants you, 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 you. It would be the most twisted episode in the continuing misadventures of Nap and Jay. <laughs> I can't, wow. That's 20 years ago exactly. 20 years ago exactly. And I did that, I made that movie instead of going to join the company at the Illinois Shakespeare Festival. So I just, just graduated with my master's degree at Penn State and I got a job offer to go perform at the Illinois Shakespeare Festival. And so instead of doing that, I went, to go, I went home to Detroit to make Get the Hell Out of Hamtown, a seminal film. I can't believe not everybody here has seen it. Um, but and, it's a fascinating town. Yeah, it, it, Hamtramck and, is a little town. In, it's, a little, little, it's an enclave. It's a little city. It's a municipality inside of Detroit. It its has its own fire department and you know, mayor and police and everything. And I lived there for seven years uh, after school. And, and my friends had written this script. And, and so I did the movie. So I did this movie, Get the Hell Out of Hamtown. Yeah. Um, it does come full circle now. I'm bouncing around, if that's okay. Bounce. Um, Straight bounce! I just, because I was looking back at old interviews where you really talked about being in Hamlet several different times, and so it was just so, it's kind of beautiful that it does get to come full circle. I know, it's, it really is. Coming to this place to rehearse every day, um, which is weird because I'm by myself because I'm here and they're all upstairs. But um, I just was like, coming to this place. It's not this place. <laughs> um, but upstairs on the third floor, um, it is. It's like coming home. I've never been here. I've never worked here. But it feels like coming home. The, the, it's like putting on comfortable old clothing that you love. You know what I mean? It's be, just being in that spot, being in that space. And the magic's there. It's sacred. It's exhilarating. It's just really terrific. Yeah, I've, I've wanted to do, I wanted to be in Hamlet for over 20 years, and I've always been fascinated by the character of Horatio. And to be cast as Horatio in this, it's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable. Yeah, it's really great. So please come see it, guys. Upstairs, the Ansbacher Theater. <laughs> this used to be um, Joseph Papp, who founded the public theater. This was his office. This was his office. This was his office before it became It's a Joseph huge Papp. office. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Your career did not go into theater after doing that film. No. You went to L.A.? No, no, I, I, I the, 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 two of the guys that you saw with no shirts on smoking the bowl were performing, were performing at the Second City Improv Comedy Theater in Detroit, the one in Detroit. Those two men became very, very good friends of mine, 
and I went and auditioned for the Second City. So then I got in and I worked at the Second City in Detroit for four years and I probably wrote about 11 shows there. And then I went to the Second City in Chicago. Um, the, the, the one where Steve Carell and Steve Colbert and Tina Fey and everybody, you know. And I worked there for about two years and then somebody scouted me for Mad TV. So I went from Chicago to Los Angeles. And then I was on Mad TV and, and wrote tons and tons of sketches with Jordan. Uh, yeah. at Matt TV. That's, that's where we started working together. I also lo loved hearing that um, you worked with Scott Adsit at... Oh, God. The um, greatest. At yeah. Second City, which you guys may recognize from 30 Rock. He played um, Peter. He played Peter, the head writer on 30 Rock, if you remember him. Yeah. So Scott Adsit was in the... What was in the when I started at Second City in Detroit, he was at the Second City Chicago, and he was in the super cast. He was in the cast with Rachel Dratch and Tina Fey, and it was him and Adam McKay. So... Those shows were good. Um, How did you so. pick one like school over the other? Like, why do you do Second City versus Improv Olympic? Or because Second City, Second City's the one improv theater that pays. Okay. <laughs> They're the one that pays, and there was no other. There was no improv in Detroit at the time. We 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 were the improv community, Amazing. and it's built since then. And I have a, I have a theater. Uh, I have a theater that I founded with a bunch of friends in Detroit in Hamtramck, called the Planet Ant, and that has an improv wing. And so, but all of us, we were birthed from Second City. And then they've, started, so now three or four improv theaters have popped up in the Detroit area That's because amazing. of the Second City. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you've been doing that there, you know, making sure that there's improv there and theater there. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's I go home, I go home as often as I can because it's, it's important to me. Yeah. And, and that, that, that we're supporting the arts there. And, and there's a nice, real vibrant scene there. Speaking of going home, I was really impressed by your courage to go look up your biological mom and, yeah. and trace your, your family back. Um, what has that been like for you? Well, it's interesting. You, you know, you, what's interesting is you think that's one of those things that becomes you make in your life a defining moment. So you go, this is going to be a defining moment. And I remember, I guess I was 26, being at... Dallas Love Field, which is a which is the suck of the smaller airport in Dallas, is Dallas Fort Worth and Dallas Love Field, and we w landed there, and I remember getting off the plane, and it was like I expected Oprah to be there in like a ticker tape yeah. parade or something like that, yeah. and it wasn't. You just meet this person, but then what ends up happening that's interesting is that person cannot solve your problems. Like you think all your problems. I did it. I met my birth mom. Now I'm psychologically well. And it, it doesn't work that way. Like, it's like, you can do anything you want. And at the end of the day, it sucks because you got to do the work. <laughs> yeah. If you want to get better, you got to do the work. Yeah. So, so th th I'm looking back at it now, but that's kind of the sum of the... I made that movie uh, like, like three months or four months before I met my mother, my biological mother. Um, and, and so it was fascinating. I got to see where wow. some of my like, genetic behaviors come from. One time I was having a conversation with my mother and I simply did this. I just, my nose itched, and I simply went like this. Instead of scratching my nose, she smacks me. And she goes, that's your Uncle Mike. That's your Uncle Mike. So it's not a thing. Wow. It's not a thing. Yeah. My Uncle Mike, that's how he scratched his nose. That's how I scratched my nose. And there were a lot of those along the way, those little kind of moments where you go, and then you walk like this, and that little limp you have, that's genetic. And, also yeah. the, and then to see pictures of my grandparents and see, oh, that, oh that's where the eyes come from. And then just recent, yeah, so just, re, you know, and then meeting other siblings, it was very fascinating. Very One fascinating. of your siblings, I was, um, I'm sorry that he's passed away, but I was so yeah. impressed that he um, was also creative. He was, an, he was an illustrator for Marvel Comics and invented two Marvel titles. 
he was my this is my father's son. Um, my father's son invented a character named um, Static Shock, and he wrote. Yep, thank you. Yep, <laughs> and he wrote a comic book called um, a crit, uh, Critical Not Critical Mass. I think it's called Critical Mass. It's a comic book about the people who clean up after superheroes have huge fights in cities <laughs> and destroy the cities. <laughs> he wrote a comic book about the cleanup crews, and. Amazing, amazing, and and uh, and it was really kind of heartening to go. Oh, there's somebody else who's in this business. I never got to meet him. I never got to meet him. He passed away in uh, 2011, and um, which is tough because I was there, and it just I just didn't know. And then finally, somebody said to me one day, "So well, if you're looking for your father's family, what you could just Google people." That's how old I am. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't I occur understand. to me. Didn't occur to me to Google like, <laughs> my dad's name. But I Googled my dad's name one time, and a Wikipedia page comes pops up, and I go a bank manager from Detroit. Like, why would he, would there be a Wikipedia page? And then I clicked on the Wikipedia page and it was all about my brother. Wow. And how he worked for DC Comics and Marvel Comics and wrote some of the animation on the Batman cartoon that used to come on in the afternoons in the 90s. He was a titan, like a giant in that business. So yeah. Proud. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm very, very proud. Um, so I, I want to ask about um, Key and Peel, and then Don't Think Twice. Sure. Is that okay? Um, anything. So for Key and Peele, well, not which anything. There, there have been many, many, many groundbreaking comedies, and um, this is one of them, and it just speaks so much to the time to have two people who happen to be mixed race, um, who happen to do a show right when Obama's doing a show, be so funny, so nuanced, and so... Um, Was Obama doing a show called America? Oh, sorry. <laughs> just want to make sure I know the name of the show that Obama was doing. I believe he was Edie Falco's husband. That's it, he was Edie Falco's yeah. husband, yeah. Can we reboot that show? Can we reboot the that show? Exactly. It's because we were making our show exactly. that I missed Obama's show. That's... I'm, I'm so used to um, Trump now that I think right. everything oh, is, which, is That's, just that's a show. definitely a show called America. That's what Trump's doing. <laughs> this thing's got way better raiders, raiders, way better ratings than The Apprentice, yeah. But Cheapers. I, just, I wanted to ask, when you started writing, when you started writing for um, Obama for the... Oh, for the yeah. for, for the yeah. White House Correspondents' Dinner, yeah. Like, and giving him notes and stuff. Like, how much leeway did they give you? I, first of all, I love that you didn't dress up for the... I guess. <laughs> not, oh, no. No, not for the rehearsal. By the way, I had my hood up, and I was standing outside the visitor's entrance of the White House, and I had to call my contact. So, so I'm standing out here straight looking like a terrorist, so <laughs> you got to get me in an entrance real quick. <laughs> they really come, <laughs> and pick me up, you know? So, and they sound the same. You're right, Bradley. They're always like, Tell you know, that's how they sound. <laughs> Just gotta run, the secret service. But he, there's no leeway. There was no leeway. I learned, I, <laughs> I learned my lines and I learned his lines. Cause I thought on the off, he's, he's Superman. But on the off chance that he'd forgot a line, I'm like, no, I, got, I gotta have this thing backward and forward. And so uh, what happened, what, oh, this is me telling him not to swear in a moment, because he was about to swear. <laughs> what kind of crazy bull? And then I stop him from swearing. But this is, so I didn't dress up till later. And then, and uh, this, is the, uh, this is the map room. We're in the map room. We're in FDR's favorite oh, wow. room. They still have all these maps that he drew on during the war, during World War II. You know, we're going to go in here, then the generals are going to go in here. You know, and then put, it was amazing. And, and he comes into the room, so Obama comes in the room and he's like, oh, there he is, Key, there he is. And I was like, how you doing, sir? And there's lots of daps and like, you know, that's, it's, it just gets real black real fast. And, and then, and he said, or because, I mean, because between the two of us, you get one full black person, so. That's <laughs> as black as it gets, so then. 
And so he goes behind the podium and he's got his script. And he goes, no, no, come on now, we're, we gotta keep it together. Take this thing seriously. And I was like, yes, sir, I'm gonna take it seriously. He says his first line, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we're here at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, we're doing the thing, and la, la, la. And I go, hold on to your lily white butts. <laughs> and then he cracks up. And then he goes, <laughs> oh, 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 shit, you got me. <laughs> so, like, I, I've watched it multiple times. It was a lot of fun. And I was so tired that I had done a night shoot. A night shoot, like I'd worked like from like five in the afternoon till six in the morning the night before in Georgia. So I flew up to DC. Wow. I was way too exhausted to be nervous. <laughs> so it was like I was walking onto the dais and I went, oh my fucking God, I'm at the White House Correspondents Dinner. And it's, it's too late now, I'm doing it now. <laughs> You're doing it, dude. You're walking on the stage. It was, it, I really recommend everyone watch it because it, it's, it's unbelievable. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Oh, um, Luther is, is incredible. Um, I wanted to show a little quick clip from Don't Think Twice because it's such a well-done film about the improv world and also I just loved the segue um, back, I believe, um, for you to be doing more dramatic roles. Yeah, it was a perfect, perfect, yeah, perfect segue. Um, so we're just gonna show a little clip. Hello, hello, my name is Liam Neeson. If it's money that you're looking for, I've got none. I've used all of it. The last six times my daughter was taken. I mean, didn't you find it very easy to kidnap her? No, you and I should sit you have to go over there. God, are we glued here? We're glued here. And is it, can we get a table that doesn't move? Can, nobody answers. It's business. What? 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 Can't we get a stationary table? Can't, can't, can't we get a stationary? Nobody listens in this. Nobody. If one hair on her head is hard, what, she's dead? Okay, well, to be quite honest, there's a bit of relief there. So I was thinking about doing Jenna Rollins yeah. from A Woman Under the Influence as an umpire. Okay, well, that was obscure in 1974, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, you're out. What do you mean I'm out? How can Nick, I be out? You, you missed the base, you're out. I missed the base? I didn't even swing. Spring delay. I'm telling you, I didn't swing at the ball. But you have to do the porches things, too. P-O-R-C-H-E-S. We have aluminum porches. Enclosed. <laughs> so that... I didn't set up the clip, but they're, they're getting ready for their SNL audition. Audition, yeah. Or the, the show that is the SNL in the world of the, sh of the film. But Such now... a special, special film by a special filmmaker. Very special filmmaker. Mike, uh, if you don't know Mike Berbiglia's work, he's the best, the best. I, I um, remember I like invited him to a Clinton fundraiser, and uh, he, this is a long, long time ago, Bill Clinton fundraiser, and he was like, I can't wait till I'm famous. This is Mike Berbiglia. He was like, I can't wait till I'm famous enough that I don't have to dress up. <laughs> That's something that Mike would say, yes. He, he, he puts comfort above many things, yes, yes. <laughs> But I, I just, I'm so happy to see that you are um, transitioning to do more 
um, of the work that you initially, I think, wanted yeah, to do. That's what I was trying to do, was doing. do dramatic. Well, yeah, yeah. And then I went on a 19 year detour, so, which was great. It's been and great. The scenery's been amazing. It's not to say that Gary Unmarried shouldn't happen again. No, that should come back. It was an important <laughs> show. We do. We need more shows about middle aged white guys. We are not <laughs> underrepresented, very underrepresented demographics. So, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> Um, so one of the many things I feel like you don't get a chance to do is get to um, sing. Yeah, everybody else is singing tonight, so I thought I would sing. And I love to sing, and so I figured I'll just, I'll sing, I'll sing. I know you said scary, like you said to, to, to Bradley, but I was just like, I wasn't going to do it. And then I had another thought, and I went, hold this presses, let's do it. And so I thought, I'd, you know, this is a song that I really enjoy, and so I thought I'd give it a whirl. Well, I'm so proud and happy um, that all of you have been having a chance to come out here and try something you don't normally get to do. Um, so let's give uh, Keegan-Michael Key a warm round of applause as he makes his Joe's Pub debut. Stone on your love. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a nice review. I want to thank Rob Schulte, ACAST, Nora, and all of you. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Katie Lazarus. Talk soon.